Coming at you from Title One Studios, I'm Steph Scholl here with the Silver Dollar Man. And who's the Silver Dollar Man? Why, me of course, Scott Stevenson. All you real estate agents out there, the Utah housing market can feel like a rat race at times. You guys are constantly having to adapt and change. And here at Nominations, how do you separate yourself from the pack? This is a weekly dose to help you with that. So I was just talking to a guy on the way up here about this podcast, and he resonates somebody that deserves to be nominated. He's got talk about stories he's going to bring to this. Uh, Lindsey Coleman has been in this business for over 40 years. Everything this guy touches turns to gold. It's amazing. He was even in a coma for six months and still kicked that, you know? So he is a survivor, a fighter, a cancer survivor, and one, I call him Mr. Real Estate. So I, I think he would be a great guy to be on this show. Okay, we've just heard from Nathan Osmond, Stephanie, and who did he nominate? Lindsay Coleman. So Lindsay is with Realty Path, and we were just chatting before we started recording. You've been in real estate for over 40 years. Yep, started in 1982. So this is going to be a great episode. He's got the same background I have when it comes to insurance. I started insurance in 1981. I've since left the business, of course, but not that long ago. So that's a lot of experience, Stephanie. It is. So tell us about, like, back in the 80s, why did you decide to go into real estate? So I really didn't decide to get into real estate. <laughs> I like where this story's going. <laughs> it, it was more like I was born in. Well, actually, we lived really close to the deep home or the depot, bus depot when I was growing up. So we upgraded a couple of times before we moved to Rose Park. Okay. So not many people can say that they've upgraded before they get to Rose Park. Okay, so that was a major upgrade. And then by the time I decided to move out, I wanted to buy a house. So I'd upgraded quite a few times before I bought my house in West Valley. So we upgraded to West Valley. But in order to buy the house at the time, you needed the 3% down. And I didn't quite have the funds at that time, but we were qualified and doing okay. But... I decided to get my real estate license just for the three percent down. <laughs> so, uh, well, that's uh, that's a good reason to, yeah. to get your license. So with that three percent, I was actually selling office supplies and stuff at the time, but then I started selling uh, lots of quite a few houses and stuff. Took off a lot quicker than I thought it would. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, through the eighties, as we started moving, the interest rates were seventeen, eighteen yeah. percent. Yeah, they can't believe that, but I've told Steph before, I remember getting one of my first home, and, and I got 12, and that was great. And, and it was fortunate for me that at the time, though, I went to work for a company that was doing a lot of build jobs for uh, Bach Builders. Uh-huh. And Bach Construction was really huge at the time, but they weren't selling many houses. But is what we were able to do was to put people into rent-to-own programs. Oh, yeah. So Bach kept building. We kept doing rent-to-own. And it was really a cool program because you could come in and buy the house uh, in 88 for $50,000. Mm-hmm. But Bach gave you the decision that if you wanted to close out and buy it that year, you could buy it at that price. But if you waited one year, the price could go up 8%. Right. So over the next five years, we get to about 92, 93, and all of those $50,000 houses are now worth 100000 just because the interest rates had dropped down and, got, yeah. <laughs> and they had jumped to a hundred. Yeah. So now the builder's charging 40% more 
because at the eight percent times of five years so he's selling them for 70 so he's made money for holding them and is able to build that product but he's making an extra 20. right but the homeowners did great because they were coming in thirty thousand below market right so it was a win-win for both people and we've used that with a lot of con- contracts and different seller financing and deals throughout the years do you still do stuff like that we still do quite a few of them and i think we're going to get back into them uh i was just meeting with a guy in st george yesterday yeah uh that has a project that's going to have around four thousand homes or four thousand doors some of them will be townhomes and multifamily mm-hmm. but over four thousand doors in one project and another project will have two to three thousand and i explained the same process then because right now is a great market but we are going to tap in you know a little bit slower market yeah and if we step into that he's great with building them out and doing the rental home programs i love that too because that helps people who who want to get into homes who have a little bit of a problem uh at the moment uh but it's kind of a win-win and they treat them better because they are actually hoping that they will buy yeah and in a lot of cases uh, in that time period almost everybody bought well I I love that whole concept I've got why hasn't that been used recently no need for it no need for well we did back in 08 we did quite a bit more of it then from 08, 09 and 10 mm-hmm. and there was a lot of short sales we had people getting involved and we would have lender or we would have investors that would go ahead and buy the short sales yeah and we did the same concept then so it's come to play a few times over the years but you know for the last four or five years you yeah. don't it's not even possible to get seller financing on a lot of deals <laughs> so you got your real estate license to get into your house yeah but then did you i mean you've been doing it for 40 years did you find enjoyment in it after no, that it, it, well it, it was really fun uh sitting at the model home with these people as mm-hmm. you would see people coming in and I wasn't making a lot of money either, and it was fun to be able to help people that were coming in in the same status that I was. Uh, you know, we were talking just 40,000, 40, it was 48,000 yeah. was a yeah. medium home, uh, and watched a lot of those people's lives changed. And then as they were able to buy it five years later, uh, my broker, I think we had like 300 and something houses that were under contract that he ended up getting all the commissions from at the end of the five years and he just shut down the service and moved to the coast <laughs> as, soon as, as soon as they were all done. Moved to but the coast, yeah. I've remained friends with a lot of the clients and those clients have bought I mean, they bought, their kids have bought, mm-hmm. and we've still done business over the last 40 years. And in the, a few times in the market, like in the mid-90s, it was a little bit slower, too, and I still sold quite a few houses a year, but I was involved with buying businesses and selling businesses, and we would go into troubled companies and just restructure them mm-hmm. back. But it's always the more it seems you help people the more it seems you can work out better for yourself by accident <laughs> but it seems to, it seems to be working it does now do you work uh do you have a team that works or do you handle this all by yourself still most of it i'm still doing by myself are you well and and the the, the neat thing about that is when you have a hands-on uh operation uh, usually it goes the way you want it to go I've had a few times that I've, well, I've got quite a few agents that I've helped train Mm -hmm. and uh, that have been in other businesses that didn't know whether they decided they wanted to get into it. 
<laughs> I've helped them and trained them, and quite a few of them are still making you know, a, two, a good living. Yeah. They're doing a great living with quite a few people that I've trained. And recently, a couple of years ago, I had a girl that I talked to coming over to our office, and she had a couple of things. And throughout the end, I thought she, I thought she was going to be a great help and be able to do a lot of stuff, and I was going to kind of build a team. But it didn't work out so well by adding somebody, and it turned into a mass problem. <laughs> so I haven't got the. It's easier to try to do it. My, my yeah, myself. it can be that way. I know that you know. In 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 the past, when I had my own insurance agency, people started adding agents. But when you add agents, you add problems. <laughs> and and sometimes a, the problems aren't worth the expense. Well, generally not. <laughs> yeah. The project that I went to yesterday, though, that were down in St. George I'll probably need to bring on four or five agents mm, to help mm-hmm. as we go ahead and market that program but it looks like a great opportunity oh terrific so what, if you could go back because how old were you when you started were you in your early 20s I've been about 22 23 22 or 23 so if you could go back would you give yourself any advice about what to do as a real estate agent um, some of the stuff would be not so much as an agent, but it would be the market that we're even caught up in now. Uh, so at one time I had quite a few uh, houses that I owned myself. And back then there was what was an FHA non-qualifying loan that you could just assume the contracts without, bar- without anything. Mm-hmm. And I would have people that would call me and ask to come list their house and I'd say what do you want well we just need to get out of this oh yeah Mm -hmm. I would sign the contracts and do them and take them Uh, and they were great and everything was going great Uh, but as the market moved forward and the market so it was pretty good in 93 around about the time I was doing a lot of those but by 2000 it was pretty dead and we got too involved owning too many properties mm. that all of a sudden you start having seven or eight people a month that aren't paying their bills. Oh, yeah. And the leases to where you got to dump them, and sometimes you dump them by just holding on to them too long. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been pretty fortunate with a lot of this stuff, and I've had a lot of the right mentors that I've been able to just follow along on and not make a lot of the bad decisions um i probably would have gotten more into land deals like i've done the last few years uh which is a lot more Mm -hmm. how to help just people with different ideas in different places and selling land contracts and stuff if i would have caught on to that in the early first few years i would have done much better (laughs) i i forget about that you can just sell land without anything on it so yeah so i mean i had a deal in saratoga spring well actually it was in utah county and the unincorporated Mm -hmm. and we went ahead and this is just a few years ago but i had a guy that had like 16 acres and and we talked his parents into buying some or selling some of theirs a couple of their other neighbors selling it and all of a sudden you have around a four million dollar deal and then i helped the so i'm representing the seller on this end and then i get a buyer for it and the buyer gets it papered and then you have the opportunity then to either list them help sell them but there's a lot more that you can do with land that quickly 
and one of the projects that we're talking about yesterday is one 600 acres and one 700 acres that the guy has both properties that there's room for probably close to 15,000 homes between all these properties wow. yes Whoa. that's a lot of homes there's a lot of commercial stuff in the property and but it's all approved and stuff and we were just working with him yesterday in St. George so how do, so how do you see the market today uh, I think we're going to be slowing down mm -hmm. uh and I think probably it'll slow down to a good phase where everybody's been way too busy. Uh, on the other hand, there's not enough homes on the market. But as the interest rates go up, I think if we get up around, we'll probably be six and a half or seven, I think probably by September, October. And I think that can actually slow things down for a while. Mm -hmm. But there's still the exception to that is, Utah does have a lot of people that just want to move here. Right. So that will keep it up, but I think it may slow it down to what would be a normal good market, mm -hmm. where for the last three years it's been way too crazy. <laughs> I, mean, I really like your perspective, though, as you're talking about, you're like, oh, the 90s, like this worked great, and then it was a little slow, and then in 2008, because I think that it's it's cool to have so many decades and so many ups and downs, because as I've been listening to you, I'm like, yeah, even even how you're like, it will slow down to a normal pace, right? Everyone's like freaking out, but it's like just going back to a normal market. Yeah. So it's cool to hear that perspective because I think especially for a lot of young buyers in their 20s and 30s, it's easy to get caught up in hype and being like, oh no, yeah. like, what's going to happen? The sky is falling kind of thing. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and that can happen. Yeah. And one thing that's interesting too, as an agent or as a buyer or an investor is through the years you can always go into a new subdivision where a builder's starting to build and let's just say there's going to be 70 homes in that neighborhood uh -huh. if you can buy in the first 10 houses and you sign the contract and he locks in the price and you know overall they're going to keep upping the prices the more they sell in a normal market you can do that and make 30 to 40 thousand by the time your house is done interesting but in this last market uh for like last year we had a couple or a few of them that we did but like we bought one in west jordan uh, that we bought those around 706 and by the time it was sold it was worth 850 Hmm. And then we bought one in St. George in a place called Briel that the contract was three ninety six. By the time it was finished, we sold it for five seventy five. Wow! But and I have a lot of clients that I have them do that same thing. Yeah. And in a normal market, like I say, you're going to make twenty to thirty thousand, forty thousand maybe in those spend. But for the last two or three years, people have been making a hundred to two hundred thousand just by buying it. Put the ten thousand down. Wait till it's built and just sell it. And then just sell it. Yeah, seems like pretty easy money to me. It's, it's, way, <laughs> it's way easier than a flip that you go in and do all yeah. the work. Yeah. So when you said that, like you had that period of your life where you just had too many houses. Yeah. Um. So what did you do to like correct that? Did you, you sell them off? You had to sell them all off. So now, do you still have houses that um, you have, or not as much? Right now, I don't have any rentals. Yeah. Because the ones that we've been buying, we've just been buying Bought and sold. Selling. And it's easier just to work with the builders and yeah. buy one and let them get a built and then just sell it. Well, now, over your career, 
you've had plenty of sales. Is there one that sticks out in your mind that you just feel, I don't know, proud of? Probably the best one is probably the land deal that got so big so quickly. And then to be able to uh, flip and turn it. And where was that at? Here that in the county? in Utah. Uh-huh. Uh, Utah County. But we had to decide then where... And Lehigh would only allow for half-acre lots. And Saratoga Springs would go to 9,000-square-foot lots. So as we worked with both cities, the sellers were going to get way more money out of the land on the 9,000-square-foot lots instead of half-acres. Mm-hmm. So then we chose to go to Saratoga Springs. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. And then Utah County, or Lehigh, begged us to come to them <laughs> once we'd made the decision to go to Saratoga. And... You know, with the water situation and stuff, there's no reason you should be having the half-acre lots like that. But it was a a pretty good uh, project that turned out really, really well. Uh, But then I've had quite a few people that's... Oh, some, like, single moms and stuff are really fun. Yeah. uh, When you can help people that are really needful and really thankful uh, to get into the houses. Um, I had, like, a nephew that went ahead and was selling a house and was going to buy a business so he needed the money out to buy a business so I'd actually talked to him and told him instead of putting all the money there and he was selling his house and going to be able to move in and help his in-laws and donate more money to them but I told him you're going to be missing out on this and he, he listened understood thought it was a great idea and we managed to buy him a house uh, just west of Bangor and right to where it was right almost on Bangor if you walked 50 feet you'd be in the middle of the road and it <laughs> yeah. was just a town home but he was able to pick it up and it was somewhere around like 250 mm-hmm. and in four years it's over $450,000 of 200000 that he would have been out of the market and I've got quite a few people like that that I've helped uh, you know that changes their lives yeah it does and it does change their lives yeah and now he's got, you know he's quit help or did that with his family mm-hmm. and about the time he decided he wanted to go out we found him a house uh, out west there was another new build job mm-hmm. got into it about 460 on the one that he got into and within two years it was worth over 700,000 wow so yeah it, that's really cool yeah I mean a lot of agents are scared to work with builders too uh, and the more that they can get to know one or two or at least know them there's a lot of things you can do with builders like what uh, once they understand it you know them you know their product you know their warranty you know who's really a good builder you know who's a bad builder you stir the clients to them uh, and some of them will just bend over backwards to help uh, your clients once they know they're really needful uh, you know there's a few builders that won't do anything like that and they just know the price is mm-hmm. the price there's some that even jack the price up once I have the contract because I'm blaming it on the markets mm-hmm. even though they are still making enough money the way it is um, but we've had a lot of success with different builders and uh, whether it's or even existing homes have been pretty good so how did you for like find your leads like when you were first starting out because you talked about that community right and that they stayed friends with you and then you've helped tons of them has it been referral or did you ever knock doors or cold call i never really knocked doors and i had quite a few leads from there but back in probably about 94 95 there was a place called the holiday spa 
uh, and we worked out there. And I probably <laughs> I probably have forty clients, and it's been dead from since the holiday spa. <laughs> I probably, yeah, I, I mean, uh, clients that I'd meet would be would just talk, become friends, would work uh-huh. out uh, through the working out process. And I mentioned to one buddy uh, that you know, man, we could probably and this is back then we could probably get you know sixty five seventy thousand out of his house he thought was worth fifty. We got his sold and into another house that was probably worth a hundred that he got into at 70 okay. six months later we were out of the hundred one and he was getting he's selling it for about 150 and got him into one that was probably worth 225 at 150 so his payments were going up but his wife got to the point where she didn't ever want to see me because like, i don't want to move again <laughs> yeah. but every time we were just upgrading the houses and that's uh, cool i've got a few people like that have done really well but quite a few clients have that have just been really really good friends and at least for the last 20 years it's been 100 percent referral i do a little bit on facebook but it's just more to let people know that you're there but yeah yeah really no lead generation i like how the 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 40 solid clients came from the spa where i'm sure were you just like getting to know people were you out there like being like i'm a real estate agent <laughs> no, yeah it's more of just using to know people and it's really not to do it about business yeah but it's really turned out that way and it has made it to where the last four or five years uh, I do actually pay attention to what I did then, and, and it does re- work a lot to where I might even just start talking to somebody on a Saturday morning, and I've had quite a few times where they say, well, you know, I've got a house that I've been thinking about listing. Can you come talk to me about it? I mean, it happens a lot. And then another thing that I've always done is created another product or been involved in MLM companies at the same time. Oh. So... Even an MLM company, it works for everybody for a tax deduction of somewhere. <laughs> okay. so, but well, I never saw it that way, and I it's a great tax deduction. And so, in the years I've done, I've been involved in quite a few of them. Yeah, and even back in the late nineties, as NewSkin was getting going, I had quite a few clients uh, that were involved with NewSkin that became clients. Oh, I think, yeah. Uh, but through every MLM, you're always meeting, you're seeing the same people. They know you sell real estate. They learn to so, so, so for you, it was uh, an MLM real estate contact list <laughs> yeah I mean, and, and it works out pretty well it may, and the they great, may not have made any money but you did by knowing them and that's yeah. the great thing is that they're already used to people like they know uh, you know how to market to people so yeah. you're and, just being yourself yeah and you know at some of those times you might even discount your commissions or whatever to make yeah. it work for everybody yeah. and do things I've also created different products so since about 2016, um, I had a cancer that I uh, was starting to take some CBD stuff for to get so I didn't do the radiation and chemo. Mm-hmm. And the company did so well that their merchant account shut down and they went out of business. But I really liked the CBD, but it was pretty new in 2016. Yeah. yeah. So I met with a guy that formulates products and went through a lot of stuff and came up with what we thought would be the best one, most comparable to the product that I'd had. So I built it for myself just to start taking. But over just a few months, 
uh, I had a lot of people starting to try it. Yeah. And then from those, I had another guy introduce us to another company that's an MLM that wanted to purchase it. So they purchased well, like three or four hundred, and at the end there was so many people in two weeks that wanted more that they're still buying buying that product today. Really. But even with that product i still have my own line that i sell to people and a lot of those people that purchase it are still clients or it's just another re- way of reaching out yeah. and helping people with their health problems sure and uh, and by helping those people of course they get to know you and uh, and then use you as their realtor yeah i mean but everybody but that's not your main reason for doing it no. but i get what you're saying it's just being genuine and um but you're just out in the community and you're working with people and they see that you're a nice person and and know that you're uh, a good fit for them for a realtor and there you go yeah and so it's so much easier than uh, cold calling yeah cold calling that, out there so on that level what do you if you had uh if there was a if you had a son who was a young who wanted to become a realtor what would you what advice would you give anybody who's entering the market right now? Yeah, I still have quite a few people that I work with uh, that I still try to help them. Mentor to, through. Yeah, to go to different things and different ways to train. And uh, it is just, you know, to talk with builders, to talk with people, to uh, get a hobby. If you're an artist, you know, join a group, whatever it is mm-hmm. you do. Uh, you know, be aware that when you're at the gym, it can be a potentially great place. Uh, yeah. But, you know, we do car shows, and we meet people at car shows that are always looking for houses. and oh. uh, But a lot of different car shows. Interesting. Uh, I mean, it seems to me, I mean, you've hit all these markets here. We got the car shows, we got the gym, we got MLM marketing. Your whole life is a market. That's what it basically <laughs> is. So, yeah, like, oh, I don't know, I got a bad habit with cars. I just... Don't seem to want to get rid of them. I'm not a car person, but for those listening, they probably are like, ask this question. What are your favorite types of cars that you have? One that, I don't know if it's really my favorite, but it's one I don't think I'll ever get rid of. Yeah. Uh, so it's a 1967 Ford Galaxy convertible. <laughs> Why are you laughing, Scott? Well, because I got married uh, like 10 years later, and and I think it was a 1972 Ford Galaxy that my family had, big boat, you know. It's a boat. And, uh, and so when I got married, that was really about all that I got, you know, about a 10-year-old car. And my dad said, here are the keys to the Ford Galaxy, drive off, and don't come back. <laughs> <laughs> this was a car that I didn't... But have. it's a convertible, you say. A convertible. And I didn't have much money at the time. Yeah. And again, I was still living in Rose Park. And I mean, I, I mean, have you had that car since then? I bought it in 1980. Oh, yeah. And the lady had it in the paper for five grand, being a convertible and everything. And me and my dad went and talked with the lady. And she started giving us the spiel that she didn't really want to sell it but she had skin cancer mm. and I, she just didn't want to sell it and while we were there another guy came up and offered to buy it for the 5000 and I said man I can't get close to that but if you're really honest that you don't want to sell the car uh, 
I can pay you what I can for it, and I'll take you for rides all the time. Uh, I'll come get you. You can call me. I'll make a point to give you rides. And she's like, "How can I trust you to do that?" And I'm like, "I don't know. If you feel good about it, you won't be. It will be like you're not selling the car. You say you want the car to have more, you know, enjoyment, and be out there making somebody happy." And the guy's like, "Here, I'll take my money." And she's like, <laughs> "I haven't finished with this young man yet." And, uh, and at the end, she said, well, so what can you do? And I said, I can get to $600. Oh, and she said, well, okay. So I bought the car for $600 and for took about it. 10, 12 years. Um, we took her for seven, eight, ten rides a year till she died. Really? Oh. Well, now that, <laughs> okay. that, yeah. Stephanie, is a salesman. <laughs> right. I mean, to even think of that on the spot yeah. is uh, a salesman mentality. like you're not right Yes, now. I love those kind of stories. Yeah. That's <laughs> That's true because everybody wins there too. Because obviously she, uh, she enjoyed the love the car yeah. and was able to enjoy it for the next ten years. And you kept your word. Yeah. And the, do you feel like she became a good friend? To yeah. Oh yeah. And then so this was like in June, but then shortly after, like by July, I'd met somebody that was tied to the rodeo and everything uh, for, that was in the Salt Palace, and they needed a rodeo. Uh, a car to drive in the rodeo and stuff so we ended up driving the queens or the governor people oh, cool. in the rodeo oh, for years and years after and that paid way more than the car <laughs> <laughs> and then we did floats and parades and oh fun I still do a fair amount of parades with well people. the next time you come actually the only picture I have from my honeymoon I mean I know everybody today has the cameras and they have 6,000 photos yeah, we didn't, uh, but yeah. back then I got married and we went to Ocean City, Maryland for our honeymoon and I have one shot of my wife who's leaning against the 1972 Ford Galaxy, which had a bunch of dents on it and everything else. Next time you come by, you'll have to drive that car and bring it up. Yeah, yeah, it's a a fun car. Yeah, I bet. And then I've got a 1960 Chev truck (laughs) that we're just redoing that we put the new digital dash and the phone radio and and all this stuff. But it's a pretty nice car. Oh, yeah. Uh, And then we got a little... 06 yellow Corvette and uh, <laughs> my wife has a little Mercedes 500 <laughs> so we enjoy cars a bit well I used to work at uh, assisted living center and every year we did a big car show that's how they we did it with like a charity and that's how they raised money and it was sort of it was our way of marketing right because it brought people yeah and so we would pay for someone to put on the car show but I was always I mean it's a fun group of people that do the car shows and they were so nice to all of our residents but then just the cars people take such good care of them so I was always so I mean those are really the only car shows I've been to but I think it's really a cool hobby and it seems like it's a big community most of the car show people are really happy and good people yeah like they just everyone was super friendly yeah yeah. it's really a fun group to always be around people and just a reason to get together one one quick story I only drove a Corvette one time in my life I had a good buddy who had a Corvette this probably was back in the 80s and I got behind that and I drove that down uh, 
what nobody knows here, Route 29 back in Maryland. That thing was up to like 100 before I knew it, and I felt like I was going 50. And I looked down at the speedometer, and I go, no wonder people get in uh, pulled over all the time in these cars, because <laughs> it's just so smooth. And uh, before you know it, you're flying away like Mary Poppins, you know, <laughs> up in the sky, you know, or Chitty Chitty Bang Bang or whatever that one movie is. <laughs> I don't know how I want to wear this. Basically, I want to ask, like... Um, about Utah's growth, but in a positive light. Way. What What do you feel like is a good way to... Um, the values of really... Yeah, so... Uh, it's bringing people with a lot more, I mean, values to the property with yeah. all the growth. And, you know, it's amazing to think the houses and uh, it's all I can go back to is like World Park where I grew up and mm-hmm. all my parents bought the house for 12000 mm-hmm. and it's always been considered a little rougher area of town and stuff but now you're buying houses in Rose Park at four four fifty five hundred, and you look at the ones in West Valley like the one I bought for 50000 is now 500000 and that's you know 40 years later uh, even we one of the ones that I bought with a builder uh, last year was out on just east of Bangor Highway and 70 entered south and to think that we paid 700000 for it that far out there west you would never have dreamed of that 40 years ago I mean not even near that <laughs> and then to know that you're reselling it for eight fifty. yeah uh, I mean the numbers are just incredible and it's interesting when we talk about jobs and people can't afford it and stuff like that is what really becomes interesting for myself is to realize I was selling these houses at 50000 and taking the 3% commission was around 1500 bucks, And at that time, I think I was usually paying about 30% to my brokerage. So I was making about $1,200 a deal. <laughs> Now you look at a house today, you know, the average one's at 500000 So instead of making the 1500 we were making now, then it was, now it's 15000 and I pay my brokerage a very small part of that. Nowhere near the 30%. Mm-hmm. <coughs> but that whole thing becomes true whether you're selling insurance. Yes. Mm-hmm. The prices have all gone up. Whatever work in a lot of those businesses uh, that people are entrepreneurial all those wages have gone up a lot and you know it's taken until the last year or two that we've actually seen the regular age warner earners that their wages have gone up but they've uh, finally started to shoot up well you know in making uh, back in the day when you if somebody said they made a hundred thousand dollars that was like oh my gosh yeah. i mean that's like the top one percent now a hundred thousand dollars i don't know what the medium income is in utah but it's it's creeping up all the time yeah it's not near what it was in the in the day yeah well and it's interesting because i was hearing my dad talk to someone that they grew up in the same area and he's like where did you live and she said the area and he was like oh that was the ghetto and she's like well it's not now because it's sugar house right but back in the day like where they were at was the yeah and so it is or even my grandma like her place of sugar house that she paid for and now it's just skyrocketed Uh so it is um i like hearing you how you're like these little places we would have never thought that they would go for this amount 
and even stuff you know there used to be just a pocket of houses up around olympus cove and stuff that were really considered to be the very nice and around foothill and some of those really areas mm-hmm. there were in the 70s and 80s that was if you were wealthy those were the only places you lived mm-hmm. and then it started stretching out further to Sandy and Draper along the line. But then all of a sudden, people wanted more land in their, in their estates. And now you'll find, you know, nicer, bigger, more lot sizes in South Jordanton, Riverton, and houses that are worth well more yeah. than the ones on the east side. Harriman. It's been a, yeah, really an interesting change to watch all of those numbers go. And... To watch how some people agree that there still may be value in some out west, why others are thinking, oh, I would so wouldn't go there for nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but one thing that's really important, whether it's real estate or whatever it is, and when you talk about somebody that wants an area that they would want to be in, I really tell my clients to always visualize and let me know exactly what they want. And when somebody says, I want, just want a four-bedroom house and two-bath, and it can be from by the zoo or out mm-hmm. in Harriman or wherever, mm-hmm. they don't know what they want, really. But I had this girl about four or five years ago, and the values uh, around Holiday, and she wanted to be in Holiday. And really, within a, about a mile of where the house she was living at with her daughter, but with her, her she actually has two boys that she wanted to be really close, that stay in the school area. And she wanted to be around like 220, 230, and she wants to be in that area. And she keeps telling me, and I'm like, yeah, well, we'll find it. But you just, and she'd pull things up, and I mean, every day. And she'd pull them up, and she'd be, this all I'm going to find is anything in Magna or West Valley. And I'm like, no, you just really got to visualize it and know what you want. And she started doing that. And it wasn't that long before we actually found her house. I think it's just below 20th East and 33rd, it must be 30. 33rd South and 20th East and it was a townhome that was really worth probably about 300 that she was able to pick up for 220 and I mean and she was able to move in but it was just really the visualization process of knowing exactly what you want Mm -hmm. and I've done stuff like that my whole life of whatever car it is or whatever thing it is uh, there was a prowler at a car show back in 2000 and they were barely out I'd wanted them before I seen they would ever come out but they were like 85 90,000 and stuff and we happened to be over there at hot August nights and I thought man I'd really like that car but it's got the sticker in it for like 83,000 mm-hmm. it has 8 miles on it and I'm thinking it's going to go crazy but then I started telling myself man I think I really want that car <laughs> So my <laughs> wife and uh, her brother and his wife were, were all there at the place watching the auction and, and near the back. And I said, oh, man, if that goes through for uh, 40 or under, I'm going to own it. And they're like, oh, I'll never do that. And I'm like, it will. And so I walk up to the front and get in the mix of the bidding and stuff. And... It, the bidding quits at thirty-seven five, and I'm the high bid. And they said, "Well, you're nowhere near the reserve." And I said, "Well, if they'll take it, I'll take it." And they and they said, "You know, okay, we'll go ahead and call the owner and see what the owner says." And the owner had a reserve of like seventy thousand on it. 
and they came back at me and said you know uh, we don't need to be quiet at the minimum but what will you get to and I said I can get every bit to 37.5 and they're like you can't give us any more room and I'm like no that's about where we need to be and they came back and said the 37.5 and then there was like $2,000 in auction fees and I was right at that 40000 that I said <laughs> and things just happen that way mm-hmm. as long if you just visualize what you want uh, I know exactly what you mean visualize what you want and a lot of times it'll happen if you don't then it won't yeah and I've, I've talked with people and you'll sometimes hear women or guys or people that say well they really want to get married mm-hmm. and then I have fun talking with them and I'll ask them so uh, I'm sure you got a keen size bed yeah so what do you would you sleep on the right side or the left side and they'll usually say in the middle and I'll say okay so when you pull into your garage you've got the two-car garage uh, where do you where do you park usually in the middle so you have closets in your house uh do you have them both full of clothes or one full of clothes and they'll say both full of clothes and you can actually let them open up and see they're not open in the world enough to visualize that they want somebody in their life and i've had people that start doing that and just biting some of those same principles mm-hmm. and find the love of their life when they're just opening it up and looking for it yeah but they're just you seem to start visualizing what you're looking for mm-hmm there is power in visually visualizing and that's why yeah. there's all these like workshops that people pay thousands of dollars to go see these big names because there's power in it but it's, it's so easy to forget too yeah. and so i like that of like being like what exactly do you want in a house i, I even did it with a hummer back in like oh seven a hummer? <laughs> I, I wanted the h2 hummer uh-huh. um but they were still another one those were up around 70 80 000 uh-huh. at the time and I, I was looking everywhere across the country trying to find one. And it was the most bizarre thing that I found one, like, less than a mile from the house. <laughs> and the guy worked for Jerry Siner. Oh, really? And he got a deal when he leased it. Uh-huh. And he put, like, 15000 down on a lease and put options in the car, but he bought it out so it would have a low residual and a low payment with all the money he put in. And he put the money into it, and the ad he was running he, it was like three ninety seven to take over his lease of an H two Hummer that only had fourteen more payments on it. Oh wow! So I took it over, and then the best thing yet was uh, it had like a forty five or forty eight thousand residual, something like that. But at the time, it was back where the gas prices are today in 07, 08. They were up about 400 yeah. and, or $4 a gallon. And GMC didn't want the car Yeah, back. they don't want to. <laughs> so they discounted the price way, way down to where I really basically stole the Hummer, put about $80,000 or 80,000 miles on it and sold it for way more than I was into it. But it's just deciding what you want. And you can make it happen. Well, it sounds to me like, Lindsay, that if you're you're visual, you're a car man, and you want to get into a home, you're the man that they need to call. <laughs> yeah, we can help them with homes. <laughs> and cars, actually. <laughs> Who are you going to nominate to be on this podcast? 
I think I'll nominate Glenn Pettit, and we'll see if he's up for the challenge. <laughs> <laughs> so why Glenn? He's got a really interesting story in real estate. He started a young age as, you know, do, doing remodels, helping. Been a phenomenal guy. Man has a really close family, really good family man. Has a lot of kids, grandkids. Uh, just an exceptional guy that's I managed to do real well in real estate owns a company called Home Center Construction. Uh, he's been a builder that survived all these since the late 70s. Oh, wow. And there's not many builders uh, that are on their own that aren't national companies that yeah. have survived since the 70s. Okay. He's a great friend. And well, Okay. Uh, so we're hoping that, of course, Glenn listens to this podcast, and we're coming after you okay. in a good way. Yeah. In a good way. episodes from other nominees head on over to nominationspodcast.com and while you're there if you're tired of zoom classes because i certainly am come over to the silver dollar academy i've handpicked the brightest and the most dynamic instructors so those classes are not going to be a snooze fest but if you're like me and technology bothers you and you like the old-fashioned way, call Chris, our concierge, at 801-266-0606 in order to learn more about the Silver Dollar Academy. This broadcast is brought to you by Title One. Located in Sandy, we are Utah's leading title company in securing a house for your clients' homes. 